Welcome to another episode of You Are Not A Frog. This is the one about alcohol. Now, recently I read a post on Facebook all about somebody's abstainiversary. That got me very interested because in it, Giles Peacroft said that he had abstained from alcohol for one year and hadn't even noticed. He didn't have any cravings anymore. And that got me thinking, was that really possible to let go of something that has been part of one's life for so long, even if you're not drinking over the limit, even if you are drinking in moderation and just socially? Does alcohol have a a bigger hold on us than we really think it does? So this is a very frank and open conversation between myself and Giles. And this is for you if you want to know more about how alcohol might be adversely affecting your life. It's for you if you want to find out about the many ways in which we use alcohol just to switch off our thinking and the common myths that we tell ourselves about it. And this is for you if you want to find out if life without alcohol can really be as fun. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, doctors and other busy professionals in high-stress jobs. Even before the coronavirus crisis, many of us were feeling stressed and one crisis away from not coping. We felt like frogs in boiling water, overwhelmed and exhausted. But this has crept up on us slowly, so we hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. And let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices, stay and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave but you are not a frog. And that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, turned executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I work with doctors and other organizations all over the country to help professionals and their teams beat stress and take control of their work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to survive and thrive in our work and lives. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? then it's time to get your life back. And that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60 minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. So it's brilliant to have with me back on the podcast, Dr. Giles Peacroft. Hi, Giles. Hi, How are you yeah. doing? I'm very well, thanks. Giles, do you want to introduce yourself for those people that haven't already heard you? Yeah, a former surgeon and psychology graduate, uh, left a f- well, what 15 or so years ago, health informatics for a while, came back into the healing profession as a coach and, yeah, you know, work with people on health and happiness these days. That's great. Thank you. And Giles was on a, a quite a recent podcast, actually, really popular called Default to Happy, all about how actually you believe that our natural human resting state is peace. Is that right? Indeed. Yeah, I think, you know, we've got it all going for us and no one's told us. Well, everyone's, you know, we'll get to it today about what everyone's telling us, won't we? But we're kind of immersed in a world of 
beliefs and advertising and messages that we're not good enough and we're not enough and we need more and the reality is is that we're a very very successful species and we've been around for a very long time and we're doing just fine thanks so just remember that any of you who thinks i'm not doing okay actually you probably you're probably doing better than you think you are it's just other things have got on top of that and you know so that was the whole message of default to happy it's about learning to shed all those expectations of ourselves and the thinking patterns that are causing us distress right yeah yeah and i mean the big takeaway from it was really understanding where our feelings are coming from we're kind of laboring under the mass misapprehension that our feelings come from our circumstances whereas the reality is is that our feelings come from thought and seeing that clearly allows a whole load of beliefs and stories that we're telling ourselves that we're not even really aware are kind of like running our program for us a load of that conditioning just dissolves so and we relax back into this Mm. default state of peace of mind and clarity and connection great so we're going to be talking about a particular part of that programming today that that's running for a lot of us and before we go on i just need to warn everyone we have an alarm engineer in our house at the moment testing our burger arm which is perfect when you're trying to record a podcast isn't it so please forgive any random beeps and alarms going off we're perfectly safe it's just it's all being tested so just just to let you know so i don't have to edit out all the beeps and alarms in the podcast the reason why we're doing this particular podcast is that giles popped something on Facebook in the summer, which I thought was very interesting and led me to a bit of a path of exploration. Giles, what was that post that you put on Facebook? It was called Abstainiversary. Um, and it suddenly occurred to me, I mean, I won't say that I hadn't noticed at all over, uh, over the course of the year, but like I hadn't drunk any alcohol for a year and I didn't even notice that that, that year had passed by. So actually, I think I put the post up sort of like one year and five days after I'd given up alcohol. And the reason I put it out there was because it happened without effort. And it happened in a way that was so not something that I could have conceived of before it did happen. And so really it was, uh, I wanted people to see that these kinds of changes, changes of heart, change in perspective change in behavior are very possible because before that you know i think in the post i said if you'd sat me down a year and six days ago and said to me you're going to stop drinking entirely i honestly wouldn't have believed you i just i'd I'd have you know sorry no you've you've got the wrong bloke (laughs) and for me that was the thing that I noticed in that Facebook post, not was the year of not drinking, because plenty of people abstain from alcohol and give up from alcohol. But it was the fact that you'd been drinking beforehand, but you'd had a year of not drinking and you didn't notice. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't care. Because for a lot of people, we can abstain from alcohol and you have sort of stopped over, don't you? And whether it's alcohol or cigarettes, but you have this sort of January, dry January and all that. But people really notice and then they can't wait for February to come around and then they're they're craving alcohol again. Mm. So for me, I was like, wow, how is that when he can't notice? Because at the time, you know, I was thinking, actually, I would really miss it if I gave up, Mm. you know, my glass of wine on a Friday night or whatever. So that got me quite interested. And in the post, you recommend a a particular book that helps. And we'll talk about that book in a minute. But firstly, let's just talk about, is there a problem? right is there a problem because i think this is where we need to start and you know 
I'm a doctor, you're a doctor. Mm. I think it'd be fair to say that alcohol was part of our lives for or has been or is part of our lives because that's socially medical school was <laughs> very alcohol heavy. <laughs> and then, you know, in certainly in sort of the UK, a lot of the culture that we live in is based around alcohol. And yeah. that's socially, you go out to a dinner party, you drink, you have friends around for drinks, you have drinks at Christmas. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of it is based around alcohol. So do doctors generally have a problem or is this podcast not just doctors you've got other professionals in high stress jobs so do doctors lawyers accountants you know people in other professional organizations do we generally have a problem or is it actually fine i think it's it's that we've not really questioned it all that much mm. we kind of because you know when you said about what struck you about the post that i hadn't noticed I had been through those periods of abstinence before because I'd usually get to a point where, you know, I was drinking pretty much every day, not huge amounts, but it was just a regular habit that I'd got into. And like you say, isn't it amazing? Oh, I'm feeling really good. Something good's happened. Let's have some alcohol. Oh, I'm feeling really bad. Something bad's happened. Let's have some alcohol. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? And I think that that's what we don't really question is the fact that it's, and, you know, after, after reading this book and you know, one of the things that she recommends is, you know, just notice whenever you see an advert or a poster or anything that's related to alcohol. And once my eyes had been opened up to that, that was I mean, that was like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, we really are. We're absolutely battered with images of alcohol all the time. So, yeah, I don't think we notice. But we might you know for health reasons for me i you know i just get sick of the routine i get sick of you know just waking up a bit fuzzy every day or having to get up in the night to go to the loo waking up a bit dehydrated and i'd just be like all right you know we all know it's good to have time off from alcohol i'll abstain for a bit and those periods of abstinence would range from anything between after obviously after i checked the calendar to make sure that there was no <laughs> Weddings. events coming up <laughs> it's like when can i schedule in this this not drinking but yeah like you say i'd do that and i'd have no problem with it and you know i think maybe one thing for people to take away is that if they have had a period of abstinence is to just notice how completely okay you are with that like the, i was always okay with it now yeah, getting towards the end, because I'd created this as a kind of a, a rule of sorts, a little made up rule, well, it's going to be four weeks, or it's always going to be six weeks, or it's going to be two months, or whatever. Then towards the end of that, that's when I'd start thinking, oh, it's that, oh, that first sip of beer is going to be, it's going to be really nice. And then, you know, the next thing, you know, you're back to where you were again. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. We're not talking here about somebody who's addicted to alcohol either although in the book she there's a lot of claims that we're going to talk about in a minute that, that mm. she thinks everybody is addicted in in some way shape or form but it, it's just you know, normal re regular drinking presumably yeah. you weren't drinking over the limit well no. i was probably drinking more than the recommended amount you know okay. it was it was you know a couple of beers a couple of can two or three cans of beer in the evening you know mm. depending on whether it was uh well yeah, I mean, like I say, it's we use any excuse, don't we? We use any excuse at all. 
going out for meals. Yeah, you know, let's... But there were a few bits in the book that, re- <laughs> that really opened up my eyes of, of behaviours that we might not be aware of. And I think the one that really hit me was she'd identified that she was that person who, when you go out for a meal with a group, if the waiter or waitress doesn't come over straight away to take drinks orders, they'd be the person... She was the person who'd be up at the bar going, you know, can we order some drinks, please? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do that. <laughs> okay interesting so we talked about the book we better we better talk about it so this is the book it's called the naked mind by uh, annie grace sorry this naked mind by annie grace and um yeah what's the book about giles so like someone recommended it to me ages ago and they're like you know you really should just read it just to increase your awareness of you know of alcohol and i think that's what drew me to it initially was it wasn't a book i mean what does it say on the front control alcohol, control alcohol find, find freedom, freedom discover, discover happiness, happiness and change your life yeah a fairly vanilla kind of uh, description but i think when i got into it all i wanted was a different understanding of alcohol i wanted a different perspective on it i didn't want to give up no way did i want to give up alcohol <laughs> god be kidding me I just wanted a different perspective. And so, and that's the attitude that I went in with. And to her credit, you know, she can write a book and it starts with her telling you, don't, whatever you do, try and change your drinking habits, which was music to my ears. She, I mean, she says at the beginning, you just carry on doing what you're doing. Just carry on doing what you're doing and, re- and read the book. And, you know, it's a book about alcohol and it's a book how we use alcohol. And it's a book about the stories that we tell ourselves about alcohol. And I'm like, oh, I can, I can handle that. I'm a big boy. <laughs> and, but there's, oh, it's, do you know, it's fascinating to me because we, we talked a little bit on last podcast, didn't we, about, about behavior change and how habits change. And we've kind of got it in our heads that if we want to change a behavior, then that's kind of on us and it's going to require a lot of efforting and it's going to, it's going to require sacrifices and it's going to require strength of will. And as far as I can tell, that's not the way that behaviors change. I think behaviors change themselves when we get a different perspective on something you know, we're always going to be doing what makes sense. And if it makes sense for us to drink, we'll drink. And no amount of efforting is going to change that. Maybe for a bit, maybe for a period of abstinence, because it makes sense to jump on the bandwagon and not drink for a month. But if we want to see really big changes in our lives, then those come from shifts in perspective. Those come from insights that we have. They come from realizations that we have. And it just so happens that this book is just like an insight factory. It's like, oh, I'd never thought that about alcohol. Oh, 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 well, now she says, oh, my, oh, goodness me. And that's how the change occurs. I know it's really fascinating. She says that the aim of the book is to rewire your brain. As you read it, it will start to rewire your conceptions. And I must say, it, there was some really surprising stuff that really did rewire because she, she starts off with the health risks of yeah. alcohol, which actually we pretty much all know. And it's like you said, if we, you know, we know that alcohol increases rate of heart disease, increases rate of cancer, increases domestic violence, you know, all sorts of incidents, you know, crime would drop. We know that if you have too much, it disturbs your sleep. And even at low levels, even, you know, one or two units, it disturbs your REM sleep. So you're feeling tired and 
the amount of lost productivity and just feeling a bit fuzzy at the weekend or you know so we know the effects of alcohol right we don't really need to be preached so, so she gets that out of the way but then there are these other deeply held beliefs and misconceptions and I'm I'm sure I, I have at one time or another held all of those along the lines of but I need alcohol to help me relax or funner per I will have a better time if I can drink alcohol because fundamentally why do we drink it to have a good time I think also to ease some pain or another so it will help me just you know forget or, or whatever you know all these different things that she says we have just told ourselves for many many years she sort of systematically unpicks all of those <laughs> which one which ones were the really key ones for you there's the one about kind of uh, the relaxing uh you know like after a hard day at work and mm. she tells a story of going out with a bunch of work friends afterward they've had a really stressful day they sat around at the table in the bar they've they've put their drinks orders in there are no drinks on the table whatsoever and they're all as happy as larry yes and she's yeah. like and it just hit me oh hang on a minute it's not actually the alcohol that's doing this it's you know and again you know for me there's you know there's two parts to this there's the understanding the alcohol side of thing but then there's the understanding the way that our minds work and you know when we have a, a real appreciation that our feelings come from our thoughts well that that situation makes a lot more sense you know there's basically a whole load of mates sat around they know that drinks are coming they've got that connection in their head somewhere that alcohol is good and alcohol so there's nothing on the table and they're all having a whale of a time yeah and for me that was a really powerful story because i guess this is all about, you know, the subliminal things that, that we, you know, you link behaviours with states of mind. And I guess for most people, if you're having an alcoholic drink, it means that your day is done. It means that you don't have to go because we would never, never drive when you're drinking, you know, alcohol. You never, I would never do any work after any alcohol. I would never do anything important. I probably wouldn't cook after drinking you know 100 percent signals that a i'm not working days over and b i'm not i can't do anything <laughs> yes, for, yeah. for, for a while so yeah. that's a system and that just feeling a relaxation actually what it is is the fact you're you finished your day not it's not the alcohol that's providing yeah. that it's actually the situation that's providing that so there's that first one. The other myth that was really interesting. So I'm thinking often, you know, your first drink of the evening, like you said, I'm looking forward to the sip of beer or the, the glass of wine or the gin and tonic. She says often you're quite low blood sugar when you, when you have those drinks. You know, often it's before food and you think, oh, isn't that nice? Often that's just because you've literally, I mean, alcohol gives you a sugar hit. It's a sugar hit. And I, I've thought about that a few times when I've been just getting ready to cook the evening meal. I thought, oh, I just have a glass of wine. I thought, actually, hang on, sugar. Maybe it's just sugar. And I've, I've <laughs> brewed myself some kombucha, you know, that fermented tea drink. Yeah, yeah, and I've yeah. poured myself a glass of that with some fizzy water. And actually that, I thought, after 10 minutes or so, I thought, actually, I'm perfectly happy. I'm perfectly happy with this other drink that I've got. And it's had the same effect, but it hasn't got the alcohol in it. So yeah. that was another myth. I thought, oh, sometimes I'm just hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Duh. And the, the other one, would the, I was always genuinely puzzled. I was always genuinely puzzled after I'd, after I'd had like a month off booze or something. 
and that first sip of beer so like i had my favorite beer i used to love cobra beer and i used to love heineken lager and i'd be really looking forward to it and then like the first glass the first glass tasted really weird like it was like if i actually cracked open the beer that i think i've cracked open because it tasted so different and that has always puzzled me it was like how does that work it, you know there, there must be something physiological behind that that this beer doesn't taste like it normally does it doesn't taste how i remember and i know that after that first glass it will go back to tasting how i remember it tasting and she kind of blows that one out of the water doesn't she by just gently pointing out to you you're drinking poison yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when i read that i was like Oh, yeah. there are quite a few chapters oh. along those lines, aren't there? That alcohol <laughs> quite literally is yeah, a CNS depressant and a poison. poison. Like, if you drink yeah. too much, you'll die. Yeah. And in nature, <laughs> things that are poisonous don't taste very don't good. Taste good yeah. And so, alcohol actually doesn't taste very nice, which is why yeah. we have to mix it with a nice burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> we have to yeah. add tonic to it or we have to flavor it to make it palatable because actually, no one wants to drink alcohol on its own. Yeah, and actually that there is no, no physiological benefit to alcohol. No, none at all. Whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, there's that kind of like medical school joke, isn't there? You know, what's the, what's the reference range for blood alcohol level? Well, it's zero. <laughs> it's like, it should be zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so there's that myth that, you know, alcohol does anything good for us. But I think there's some other other things that we do believe in that sort of alcohol makes me oh there goes the alarm (laughs) you can hear oh they're very short (laughs) that's you know the alarm's going off just as i was about to say alcohol makes me happy (laughs) so there's that myth of alcohol makes me happy does it mate and she really looks at that you know when you drink are you genuinely happier so and she did something where she actually recorded herself drinking so she sat down put a video camera on oh, got yeah. a bottle of wine and drank it and talked into yeah. the just said how she was feeling and as yeah. the wine went down she got more and more depressed she yeah. got more and more boring she said she was slowing she thought she was being really articulate when she watched it back the next morning she was like oh my goodness is that how i appear i'm not <laughs> articulate again, at yeah. all <laughs> So yes, it sort of decreases your inhibitions, but actually, is it true that you're happier? And when you think about some of the consequences that happen, you know, if you've been a bit unguarded and been a bit tactless or upset someone or, you know, how many times the next morning have you gone, oh, did I, did I say a little bit too much about that last night or something? Or what did I say? You know, occasionally you might think that, or did I embarrass myself on an, on an office night out or, you know, or actually does alcohol make you happy or does it actually cause you more stress in your life by feeling dreadful and by having to make amends if you have said something that was just a bit tactless or something the next day i get it you're pushed for time and with over 200 episodes how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz.
Yeah, and you know, life goes on when you sober up. It's not like it's not like you have a drink and then. I mean, there's a great line in it uh, that she says something about if if alcohol made me feel better, then wouldn't I need less of it over time rather than more? <laughs> oh, like it's just all these like these little logical things. It's like oh, another one, and it's like it's just like hammer after nail after nail after nail into every single one of your arguments. But I want to, I just go back to that. You know, d- does alcohol make us happy? Well, what alcohol does is it's a central nervous system depressant. Okay, so what it is good at is depressing our thinking. Yes. It's good at, it's good at depressing our thinking. And again, when we have an understanding of, of where our felt experience of life comes from, when we see that our felt experience of life comes not from circumstance, but from thought, well, then again, it starts to make a bit more sense. Mm-hmm. We've all got, you know, there'll be a whole load of people who aren't, who don't, who don't identify with this podcast whatsoever because alcohol's not their thing. Maybe they've got another thing. Maybe the thing that they do to calm down their insecure thinking is to eat. Or Mm. maybe their thing that they do is to gamble or to Mm. play video games incessantly. Or to binge watch Netflix. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And just this simple, this simple seeing what all of those things are doing they're all doing exactly the same thing which is just taking our thoughts offline for a bit and we don't need to we've got that built into us we settle our, our thinking settles itself when we leave it alone and when we know that it settles itself when we know to look for the settling you know, we're always coming back into balance. We're homeostatic beings. All of our systems are always coming, you know, they're fluctuating around a mean. And our moods and our thinking is, is no exception to that whatsoever. We've got it built in. We've got like a psychological immune system. But when we don't know that, then we go look into mm. the outside world for these other things to essentially do something that we've got built into us. And yeah. alcohol just happens to be pretty good at doing that well i think it's the quickest way of taking your thinking offline isn't it yeah. down a bottle of wine your thinking's definitely going to go offline very yeah. very quickly you're going to go unconscious <laughs> so i'm intrigued at this because i think it's one thing saying you know just take your thinking offline default don't use alcohol don't use another way of soothing how do you actually do that well you know if i were to hold one hand behind my back and offer you one hand and say pick one you don't even know what's behind my back. And most people just haven't been pointed to their true nature, which is, you know, like we talked about in the last one, is peace of mind, connection, calm, something that we all experience regularly. We all experience Mm. regularly. We just don't really question it. We don't, we get so caught up in all of this, you know, left brain activity Mm. that's, you know, we evolved hundreds of thousands of years ago for a very good reason, because we were living in caves. And if we weren't vigilant all the time, we wouldn't survive the night, you know, but we're stuck with that now. We're stuck with that left brain activity, constantly seeking, constantly yeah. seeking problems to solve the threats yeah. when life just doesn't have those threats anymore. So it, it creates them. And we identify with that more. Now, if no one's been told that, then again, you're back to one hand behind your back, offering one hand saying, pick one. You don't even know that that's, that you don't even know that that's on offer. 
And just from my experience of working with people, it doesn't really take very much when people are just gently pointed in that direction for them to have, an, you know, this is what happened with the alcohol with me, to have insights, to have shifts in perspective, to have those, oh, I'd never really thought about it like that. But because what we're talking about here is, as far as I can tell, the way it actually works, then it's, you know, an insight is just bringing us a little bit more in line with how reality actually works. So I guess there are, I mean, I guess everybody probably listening to this podcast can think, actually, there are things I can do that does help take my thinking offline. So I'm thinking me playing the piano, you know, or even just going for a walk helps sort of calm things down or, you know, we just, we just bought an inflatable hot tub (laughs) sitting in the garden. And actually quite a few, you know, the other night it was, I'm feeling quite stressed, quite nice to have a glass of wine. Actually, no, go and sit in the hot tub, much better. It was great. You know, there there are things that you can do to try and shift your, shift your So when you're in the hot, so when you're in the Mm -hmm. hot tub, would a glass of wine make that even better? Actually, no, I don't think so. Not now I've read this book. Not now I've read the book. (laughs) Because actually, yeah. 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 I'd go on holiday and I'd be like somewhere absolutely amazing. And it'd be like, you know what? And, you know, little left brain, habitual left brain. But you know what would make this even better? Having a beer at the same time. It's like, what is that all about? Yeah. It's crazy. We're so so conditioned to it. We're, you know, there's another point she makes, you know, is alcohol liquid courage you know some people feel that they need it to be in a a social situation when there's new people for example just to loosen up a bit but again she completely blows that out of the water by saying what an idiot people are (laughs) (laughs) actually you go into the social situation wanting people to like you so what do you do you'd have something that then turns you into a bit of an idiot because you've depressed your central nervous system (laughs) How does that work? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, for me, I mean, what, one of the biggest insights I had around the way that my own mind worked was actually in a situation where courage was required, where I was up on stage talking to an audience and I was really, I was feeling incredibly nervous. And I had the insight that you keep having once somebody points you towards it is that, oh, you, those feelings of nervousness aren't coming from the audience and they're not coming from what might happen in five minutes time i've got feelings of nervousness because thoughts in this moment is taking a nervous form it's no more complicated than that and it's just feeding back on the and it doesn't have to actually affect what i do or how i behave or anything as it was, you know, I just said, oh, I'm feeling a bit nervous, but I know something you don't. And that's that my nerves are coming from my thinking. They're not coming from you. And, and they kind of went after that, you know, once I told a little tale on myself. So, you know, drinking for courage, again, it's exactly the same mechanism. Yeah, we might have a drink before we've got something to do. I mean, God, I hope, you know, people aren't taking drinks before they go and stand up on stage although she does tell that story doesn't she again Mm, she she, used to do that herself didn't she yeah yeah some somebody said to her you know you've lost your you've lost your edge you've lost your edge when you're giving these talks and so she immediately went and had a drink to calm down and then actually realized oh no hang on a minute i've lost i've lost my edge because i'm drinking before Mm. i go up on stage 
But mm. when we see that, you know, again, we don't need that, that all that we're doing there is we're having a drink to depress our central nervous system, to calm down some insecure thinking. Well, we don't need to do that. And it's yeah. also going to have some side effects too, so that we're yeah. going to be stood up on stage slurring. Yeah, looking like an idiot. For me, there's another one here, you know, is alcohol vital to social life? And this is, you know, quite a, an interesting thing. I remember reading an article, I think it was in some women's magazine, you know, sort of giving up alcohol wrecked my marriage. So it was this woman who had given up and used to, you know, their whole social life was based around going to the pub with their mates and, and drinking. And then she decided to not drink anymore. She started to do triathlons and stuff like that. And very soon her and her husband had nothing in common. You know, he was still going to the pub. He said she'd become really boring. She was getting up early to train, didn't want to sit, sit around. And so I guess in that way, it sort of did but I guess what's happening is I, I do remember going to a dinner party and I was really looking forward to it I, I was driving so I didn't drink anything and you know I still had this slight thing of actually alcohol makes the evening more enjoyable mm. and by sort of 11 half 11 I began to think actually alcohol does make the evening more enjoyable because I'm feeling quite bored now and then I realized it because <laughs> The people I was talking to were actually quite boring. <laughs> I'm quite certain they were, you know. It, it they was, don't listen you to know, the podcast, no, eh? If you listen to the podcast, it wasn't you. <laughs> it was okay, random people from a long apart. way away. Um, no, it, it was a long time ago. It was actually before I read the book. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. But uh, sometimes it's actually, you then realise that you want to spend more time with people that re-energize you and mm. that people you enjoy spending time with rather than people that you just are sort of in that social circle with you. So maybe it does wreck your social life in the fact that you choose your friends more carefully. Cause I know there's a friend that I regularly meet up for dinner. It's a pub a few miles away. So we both drive. So we both sit there. I have soda and lime all night and I have an absolute brilliant time. Yeah. And it, I never once during that meal think, I wish I was drinking alcohol yeah, at yeah. all because yeah. I'm with someone who I really like. She's lovely and it's, she's really interesting and we have a, a nice time. So again, there's that myth that we have yeah. that we need it for our social lives or to enjoy ourselves in an evening. Yeah. I went to a, uh, not, uh, it was about a month after I'd stopped drinking entirely and I had a meetup with mates. Like every year we meet up and we meet up at this little festival and it's a beer festival <laughs> <laughs> that's really good for someone who doesn't drink yeah, in uh, in wallingford called bunk fest there's other stuff that goes on okay. and, you know, there's music and stalls and stuff yeah. but essentially it's a beer festival and um yeah was i worried do you know i was curious i was like oh i want you know i wonder how i'm mm. gonna feel i don't think i'm gonna drink like but i also i thought look if i really do if i really do want to drink i'll have a drink i like i'm not it's like this isn't about having rules or anything so i went there and um my word yeah so there wasn't one single moment where i thought i wish i was drinking not okay. one single moment not, not one at all it was quite weird though i do remember standing in the middle of a field at one point and just doing a sort of a slow 360 degree it, re it was really nice weather doing a slow 365 degree turn and every single person i could see like had a drink in their hand or was quite obviously drunk or and it was like wow you know this this is what we do isn't it this is what we do and we just don't we just don't question it at all 
they don't question yeah. it at all so but yeah no it, it wasn't like it, mm. it, it was a it, it was a weird weekend though because you know every all my mates were you know quite hammered and and you must have felt pretty smug when you woke up and like you were hey hi morning and they're like oh it's time to <laughs> yeah, get up yeah this yeah. turns really hot yeah. yeah i think this is it's really interesting i'm sure some people like you said some people listen to this podcast won't drink at all and they're like okay that's really interesting the way these people are thinking at all yeah. but some people will be thinking well i don't want to give up drinking you know yeah. i'm perfectly happy and it's really and she talks about this in the book that so whenever i was reading this book i would get some really defensive reactions from people so it's yeah. like let's say what are you reading i say when i'm reading this book and if they didn't drink they'd go oh that's interesting what's about and i'd tell them and they'd go oh yeah that's interesting if they did drink you know not even like massive amounts they just drink even little bits they'd go oh well you know i mean i hardly drink anyway and you know why do why do why i mean you don't have a problem you're fine and you know so <laughs> yeah. all you yeah. did was said i'm reading this book it's, about alcohol yeah. and actually my husband when we <laughs> wait, i'm telling tales on him he doesn't listen to the podcast we're okay <laughs> we went to see some really good friends of ours when we got back from holiday and i i said well i'll drive it's fine it doesn't matter you know because actually massively since you know i yeah. i still have a glass of wine because i do like wine but i now really stop quite you know i, I probably just have one as opposed to two and it's really helped because i'm feeling really bright over the weekends and all that sort of stuff but he walks in and i was i had to go and park the car and he walks in and he went rachel stop drinking <laughs> like it was this dreadful thing like not that i ever drank very much you know yeah. not that i do it was just it was such a an odd thing to go and not have a glass of wine he thought he had to pre-warn them <laughs> and then they're like tell us about it Rachel <laughs> I'm like yeah. no really it's you know it's not a big deal all I'm yeah. doing is trying to yeah this sort of trying to bust these myths that it does anything for me or I have to relax or it helps in any way and I think the only thing it does like you said it, it switches off your thinking for a bit yeah. but then is the benefit worth it it's got some side effects hasn't it I mean, I had the book for ages before I read it. And the friend who'd recommended it to me, every time she brought it up, I would get a bit defensive. And yeah, I mean, I was, I felt, yeah, I, I suppose I felt a little bit defensive, kind of like even starting the book, but it's, it's so well written and it welcomes you with such open arms that, you know, that it's not judgy or anything at all. But, but yeah, I have definitely noticed the reaction from people when, you know, I say, oh no, I just, I don't drink anymore. You know, and they go, why not? And I'm like, I, ju I just, I just can't be bothered. And I, d I don't care whether people drink or not. I honestly don't, you know, again, we're going to do what makes sense and it's fine. You know, behavior is a function of understanding. So we're, we're always going to be doing what makes sense. So I've got no problem with people drinking whatsoever. So I just like say, oh yeah, I just, I just can't be bothered anymore. And it's almost like <laughs> that's an invitation. Hang on a sec. <laughs> to give me all the all the reasons you should be bothered Giles it's very important to be bothered about it because <laughs> yeah. the, people the, take it give as a judgment all the reasons why they yeah exactly. yeah people take exactly, immediately yeah. if you say I'm cutting down or I'm not immediately yeah. they think they take it as a judgment on themselves yeah. yeah but there's something in that isn't there about alcohol you know about what it do, what it does do, do you know anything else where you can just start having a conversation about it and it provokes such an extreme reaction in people yeah, because if you said, and she talks about this in the book, if you said to someone, I've given up cheese, 
because I think it's a bit I don't it doesn't really agree with me they'd go oh yeah but I mean I, I only have a little bit of cheese it's only you know I'm definitely not addicted to cheese but it really makes me feel like yeah yeah yeah. 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 yeah 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 I mean even I'm giving up heroin someone would go oh good for you mate but I only have a little bit you know come on you just sniff it it's fine it's great it's I think that's the way We've got so warped in our thinking about it. And that's why I really wanted to do this podcast because, you know, it's not easy. And I talked a lot about myself and you've talked about yourself and, you know, it's been quite exposing, but I guess we want to be vulnerable and we want to be really honest about where we are. And, you know, they're all, I looked at the birthday cards I got for my birthday. It was all around, oh my God, uh, or needs more gin or, you know, it's all about, you know, bring gin help, you know, what does it mean? Everywhere. It was just, every card was about you know open some fizz it's your birthday or do do this and it's it's so pervasive and I think as doctors and other professionals in high stress jobs it's by far and away the biggest thing we use Mm. to self-soothe and to cope Mm. and we think that if we just drink in moderation which most of us do Mm. you know no more than seven to 14 units of alcohol a week we think that if we do that then it doesn't have a hold on us and it's not affecting our lives. I think in reality, it does. Mm. And so it's quite a big thing. And I think just getting that message out there, and I really like this because it will, it, the, for the first time, it, there was a message of hope here mm. that it's not about depriving yourself for the rest of your life if you give yeah. up drinking. Yeah. So the enormous insight that I had when I was reading this book or kind of like, it's not like it happened immediately and it's not like it was one of those things. It's something that kind of like dawned on me as, as it went by was that before I started the reading the book, my biggest fear was that I didn't want to stop drinking because I, I didn't want to deprive myself of being able to have a drink when I wanted to. And the biggest insight I had was that I, it hadn't even occurred to me that a reality might exist where I just didn't want to drink. Mm. That had never entered into my head once in my life. I mean, I drank for 30 years. It was pretty much 30 years, you know, from whenever we started at school and stuff, you know, and never once in that time had it ever occurred to me that there might be a time when I didn't even want to drink. And so that was the biggest revelation for me. And for people listening to this, you know, hand on my heart, I just want, you know, I want to tell you that that's possible, Mm. that that's possible. Because I didn't even know that that was an option. I didn't know that was an option. And it really is. Yeah. And it's not about willpower. It's it's about telling yourself the truth and revealing what really is the truth of the situation. I think bringing you closer back to reality. Yeah doing some work to rewire your thinking, rewire your brain. And I think for me, the, the missing piece that may be still a bit outstanding there is, okay, so what else? What else can we do to reset ourselves? You know, and maybe actually, I'm just thinking about it. I'm going to write a massive breakthrough list of amazing things I can do to help me relax. <laughs> but, you know, I just don't do because we're not taking that self-care to make sure that we can be in that state and then so we use alcohol as a shortcut to get there exactly, yeah. which then doesn't just doesn't do us any favors yeah. and again you know because we're amazing we're amazing animals is that if we if we slow down and we need to relax 
if we slow down enough and we listen to what we need, it will come to us, whether it's, you know, listening to a bit of music or going out for a walk or just sitting reading a book or throwing ourselves into cooking a meal or something. You know, what we need will come to us. We've always got what we need to hand. It's just we don't even go listening to it. I talked about the, the soft flute of intuition in the orchestra, didn't I, last time? <laughs> and it's always there. It never goes away. Um, but we're just so identified with that, all that left brain activity and looking for all these solutions outside of us. And, you know, alcohol, we've been taught because we've been taught, haven't we? This is the thing. It's like we're schooled, isn't it? We've been taught that it's the answer and it's not. Wise words, Dr. Croft. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, and I just, pleasure. I just want to say to, you know, any of our listeners who are recognizing that they do have a problem with alcohol, please get some help. Please get some professional help. You know, this doesn't, this is no substitute for getting professional help if you need it. And there's, you know, all sorts of organizations, including if you're a doctor, their practitioner health program. Um, if you're, in another organisation, lots of people have employee assistance programmes. Please go see your GP, check out Alcoholics Anonymous, all those different places. Please don't suffer alone. And I guess that the first thing is actually recognising that you need help in the first place. So, And we would just, again, recommend this book, This Naked Mind. We'll put the link in the show notes. And Giles, if people want to contact you, where, where can they find you? Yeah, just head over to my website, gilespcroft.com. I'll send you a link to the Facebook post I wrote, Abstainiversary. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm Giles P. Croft everywhere, Facebook, Twitter. Great. And I'd love to get you back again soon on the podcast. Yeah, we'll something <laughs> else to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, and stop recommending me books that are going to like completely <laughs> disrupt life. things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant okay we'll see you soon Lovely. thank you Joe. thanks cheers bye thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode then please share it with your friends and colleagues please subscribe to my you are not a frog email list and subscribe to the podcast and if you have enjoyed it then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts so keep well everyone you're doing a great job you got this